Welcome back to Episode 6, Season 2 of Retromancer, a monthly podcast of two friends exploring their favorite game, Netrunner. Welcome to Spoiler Season, Stephen. Are you excited? I am so excited, Nathan. I feel like we've made it. We're real Netrunner people now. We have our own spoilers. That's true. This podcast has never received spoilers before. Like we're we're joining a, a long list of illustrious forebears here of content creators from many years of podcast and uh, Netrunner creation here. Many of which that are more insightful, more beautiful, but we're going to try <laughs> to do our best to fit in. <laughs> All right, so um, in addition to spoilers, there's actually been a lot of other changes that are are pretty relevant that we really want to talk about first. So, so what's going on? Oh, wow. Yeah. So there was a massive, I would just say maybe more of a surprise announcement of a change to the startup rotation. I, I think they haven't changed standards rotation, but this announcement fundamentally kind of shifted our expectations and everything. They actually have an article, which we'll link in the show notes that starts out by kind of just giving a background on what startup is and what they're expected it to be. It's matured. We now want to bring it under the bandless team, which is really amazing. It hadn't really officially had a bandless before or wasn't really being looked at and balanced by anyone. Mm-hmm. So that feels like the format's becoming more of an officially recognized thing. Maybe it's like the little brother or little sister of standard, not necessarily like the new player format. Yeah, I mean, I think I think originally they were like, "Hey, if we want to get new people into this, we'll just uh, we'll just play a restricted format, and that makes the card pool a lot smaller, and it gives people kind of a playground to kind of dip their toe into into Netrunner in general." And I think maybe they were a little bit surprised that more people just stayed than maybe really anybody expected. So now they're gonna take it a little bit more seriously since there are more startup players. I can't help I can't I can't help but feel partially responsible for this. Do you think do you think this is our fault? No. I think they actually have a fantastic product. The new core set system gateway set a really good tone. The system update has a lot of really good cards. The Ashes cards, there's some really powerful cards, some weaker cards, but it, there was enough variety that it provided basically a year and a half of content for mostly anyone that was around, like us. I mean, and I don't want to take exclusive, like, you know, credit for this. I, there are a lot of people who've been putting a lot of energy into Startup, particularly, um, you know, Ysegrin and the team running the weekly tournaments every single week for Startup, the casual ones, and then all the people who put together, you know, this last tournament that we just did. And it's been... It's been really fun. So it's been a really good community of people that have taken an interest in startup. And so Nisei is noticing that and making some alterations to their previous plan. That's actually the more, I think, impactful thing to everybody. Originally, it was supposed to be a core set, an update, and the most recent cycle, which would have meant when the first half of Borealis came out, Midnight Sun, all the Ashes cards would have rotated out of the startup format. Now they've decided to make it a core set, an update set, both the last full complete cycle and the current incomplete cycle, which means that for the first half of Borealis, when Midnight Sun's out, Ashes will be legal. And then once the second half of Borealis is released, which they're going to call that set Parhelion, then Ashes will be out. So for now, we're going to have a much larger card pool than what we initially expected. Wow. 
That's a big change. Yes. Actually, um, I, I believe I did actually ask them this exact question, like, almost when we very first started this podcast, like a year ago. I said, so what's your... Or, or actually, I think I... Uh, I think maybe I asked June in her AMA. Oh, yes. Well, I like, she did what, that. what yeah. was the plan? What, what's the plan for startup? And she was like, well, you know, we're not really sure yet. And I was like, oh boy, okay. <laughs> so, so they've pivoted from their original plan, which is, which is interesting. And I think they're trying to avoid certain problems. And maybe now there's a concern that it might introduce other problems a little bit. I see what you're saying here, where it actually kind of is a hard decision, right? Or maybe, do you think that they're, this is just pure speculation. Do you think maybe as they were testing more and more, they were like, uh, maybe just Midnight Sun's too easily solvable? I think mm-hmm. they even mentioned that in the article. That's the mm-hmm. big fear is the meta will be too easy to solve, too stale. And instead of us getting like the year and a half of the awesome format we had with a little spice of the booster pack, we maybe have only two or three months that then not as exciting till Parhelion's out. And I guess like from a from a perspective of standard has been kind of their, their main focus. So as they're doing these releases, they're planning it relative to how they think it's going to influence standard. And since I guess I guess the principle that we've observed is the larger the card pool is the fewer the amount of cards you need to add to kind of shake things up. Assuming things are like mostly balanced, I guess. If things are kind of imbalanced, then, I mean, we've seen that happen a lot. A new set comes out, nothing happens because, you know, they're like, well, I'm just going to keep playing Astro Script. <laughs> Good point. So with Standard, I think you could get away with adding, you could split the entire set, give a nice injection of fresh cards, people keep playing Standard, give another nice injection of fresh cards people keep playing standard that's great but if your set is just the the core set then the pack is defining for sure so we saw with the with with the midnight sun booster pack you know they released seven cards and i mean it certainly shook things up for us in a pretty interesting way actually that was for as few cards as they released it was pretty i mean and you know really only like Two or three of them really changed the meta in a meaningful way, but um, but it was still it was still something. So, how do you feel about this change? Give me your give me all your feelings. I'm not going to say I went through the stages of grief, but I went through an evolution of how I thought within like maybe an hour or so, just thinking about it, mulling it over. I initially was disappointed because I think the thing I was looking forward to the most was a really dramatic shift to the format. So getting rid getting rid of the cards you're sick of, basically. No, I think that there are some staple cards, especially on the rudder side, that are warping sort of how people have to play as the corp right now. And so, so getting rid of some cards you're sick of. <laughs> oh, fine. All right. Make just, me get more Just admit it. It's, it's okay to admit it. It's okay. It's not... Okay. It's, it's okay to say, you know what? I would like to see some new cards, please. I'm done with these ones. And uh, like Bravado, Brubrig, I think Kiko, the Companions, and Rizeki. Sort of that econ package that you kind of... And solution that gets kind of moved around between the different factions. Mm-hmm. Um, that long-term money... It makes it so like long-term core play is really hard. And I was sort of excited to see maybe how they could alter that. And what would, how would runners deal with losing this huge, basically money from their, from their card pool? How do they deal with that? And what gets added and replace it? But at the same time, 
I thought about it a little bit more that day of the announcement, and I realized that I'd actually rather them err on the side of making a more vibrant and less solvable meta than Startup can survive if they make that mistake. But if they cut it really too close to the bone, and the format is just the core set, an update, and half a block of cards, just Midnight Sun, then it could kill the format. People will be like, I don't want to play this anymore. And with Parheliod only six months away, supposedly, that's what they're estimating, It we won't be waiting so long for Ashes to go away if they're wrong as well. Mm-hmm. So cautiously optimistic is the TLDR. What about you? Give me your thoughts. <sighs> well, it's certainly a big change. That's a that's a huge change. Basically, they're like, you know what? Ashes is going away. Psych, it's not. So if anyone was really sick of Ashes, then I could definitely see that being a bit upsetting. I think ultimately both scenarios produce pretty significant risks. In the one scenario, you rotate Ashes out and you run a pretty serious risk of the card pool being too small. Like you said, like they said, being solvable too quickly. And that's bad. We don't want that. But on the other hand, they inject these new cards in and nothing changes because none of them are influential enough. And then we just keep playing with Ashes for another six months, which is also pretty disappointing. Now, when they did do the booster pack, that shifted things up a fair bit. I think the most, the greatest compromise is um, if you cycle some new cards into a pool, they certainly have the ability to alter everything. But like I said earlier, that really depends on what the power level of the existing cards are. And if there are cards already in the format or decks that are already in the format that are too strong, then they're just going to continue being too strong. And that's where you're going to get that situation where nothing changes. So by putting standard under the banlist team's kind of authority and attention, I think that is the greatest compromise. So they can look at startup and say, okay, is it is it changing enough? I, I think ultimately if they just release, well, maybe not. I was orig- I was gonna say if they release on some better Corpicon, then maybe it'll work out. But I actually, I kind of don't feel like that's actually going to be good enough. I, I do kind of wonder if Runner Econ is just too strong. So maybe they'll print some like cheap, cheap neutral ice that's fairly taxing, you know, put another Eli in the, in the set and that's enough to compensate for the Runner Econ, possibly. Or maybe they have to, you know, look at banning or restricting some cards. One cool thing about the Midnight Sun Booster Pack is most of the Deep Dive decks don't run Rezek. Well, some of them do because it's such a versatile card. Uh, Deep Dive is such a versatile card, but we kind of saw this resurgence of like run-based, event-based criminal. Yes. Um, which is super cool to see, uh, super refreshing. So, so it could go a lot of different ways depending on what the set contains. And I do appreciate that they're going for the larger card pool given that they are going to be paying attention to the balance. I think that's going to be the healthiest direction for the format. So I'm, I'm pretty pleased. I was a little bit scared that like Ashes was going to cycle out and then we were just going to be stuck with all these janky cards and <laughs> like there will only be four decks in the whole format and you know, who knows what. So I, I you know, I, I think you mentioned to me that some new players uh, who had just kind of just gotten in and uh, you know, got Ashes fairly recently were like, you know, maybe concerned that their cards were going to like cycle out of startup. Um, kind of before they had the opportunity to explore the format, which isn't really a reason to, I guess, control your format too much. But 
Uh, I mean, I guess you shouldn't you shouldn't take that too much into account when you're looking at balancing. Like, you know, there'll always be new people. But uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. But with startup, it, it's a little different because with with standard, those cards would just still be legal. But with startup, they're not. They're cycling out. So it it, it is a little different than standard. You know, you you kind of do need to maybe maybe pay a little bit more attention to that because at le- well, this way, I, I think this is a good compromise, basically. Between the two. Like if you get into ashes late in the ashes cycle, your cards are still relevant and that's good. And if you're ready to move on, you only have six months or hopefully the band list, if it has to happen, will shake things up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be really interesting. It's just such like a, it's just so, it's just so fragile, you know, it's so, sm- there's not a lot of cards. Like if you just like banned Rizeki, then like what would happen? I, but then if you just restricted Rizeki, like what would happen? Like that, that doesn't, does that even do anything? <laughs> You know, I actually, I think you're, that's a very good point. And like you can't, you can't bank eco, right? Otherwise it's just like, yeah. okay, well then now there's no economy. <laughs> <laughs> the companions don't work anymore for Anarch specifically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and I'm, I'm excited. I, I think I've evolved on my, even in like one day I was like, okay, I think this is going to be okay. But yeah, it, it <laughs> definitely felt like we were told, you know, we were told one thing and at the last minute they changed their minds and that's okay. You know, if they've seen things or are nervous about what's going to come, I'd rather them do it this way, take feedback. And if it's not good, they won't do rotation like this in the future. So mm-hmm. there's a, we can learn from this. And with Parhelion supposedly on its way as fast as they're promising, if this is a mistake, it won't be a mistake for very long. Mm. I mean, I think, I think ultimately this is probably, I, I feel like this is the right move. I think this is the, the most mature attitude walking out. So let me ask you, so this is a pretty big change. Like why are they, why have they been inspired to treat standard so different? I'm sorry, to treat startups so differently. I actually think in the article, they kind of talk about, they had a vision of what they thought startup would be. And this is to say that we've surprised them, that people are like really excited about startup, but it seems like that's sort of what the document kind of implied, the their article that- mm-hmm. They, it's a way, it's a big success and its success has caused them to rethink the whole format, like what it means to be playing startup. The bandless team taking over is a huge side that it's more of a serious format that they need to actually be paying attention to that people are excited to play in this card pool. I would be intrigued that maybe they can pull data off JNET or like different tournaments. Maybe they can see, hey, there's a lot of startup events that have kind of slowly been building up and forming and maybe they're comparing the numbers of who's playing in the startup events to how many people are playing in standard this is to say one format's better than the other but there might be more of an audience than what they expected the only last thing i'd mention is the circuit opener that announcement that they made a while ago that you could run them as startup or standard i think was a sign that at least for store store championship level events they were thinking we want to be able to people to host it whatever their meta is more into Sure. That's, that's wise. So I think startup is changing and that is a little scary and, and, and pretty influential. Could probably spend quite a bit more time talking about it. So maybe we should save that for next episode. Uh, so we can jump to the spoilers. Yes. I mean, that's what you're all here for, right? You don't want to hear us ranted ramble about rotation. You want to hear from the spoilers, right? You want the, the new cards. All right. So we've got four Haas Bioroid cards. One thing I do want to mention, we got two ice, an asset, and an agenda, no ID. So the ID yes, that's right. for Haas Bioroid is coming out in the next set, 
which we'll talk a little bit more later. So let's start. What's the first card, Steven? All right, I'm going to start with card 35, which is the ice named Echo. So it's got two subtypes, barrier, eh, we know about that. And then there's a new subtype, harmonic. Great. All right, the card text says, whenever you res a piece of harmonic ice, place one power counter on this ice. This ice gains subroutine and the run for each hosted power counter. And the flavor text is hilarious. It says, and the run, and the run, and the run, and the run. But that's just flavor text. That's there's not actually. More. There's four of them. There's four of the runs? Amazing. <laughs> it's like it's like curtain wall but better yes more trolling what do you think about this one well and it's also uh it's also zero strength two to res yes and two influence. two influence this is very similar to our dear old friend next silver which was the whole next suite of ice the idea is is that they get stronger the more you have although this has been refactored a fair bit uh in, in kind of an interesting way you want this to be resed early because then every subsequent harmonic ice makes it stronger unlike next silver which could be super strong automatically in the late game these harmonic ice are adding counters as more harmonic ice are being added meaning the oldest ones are the strongest ones so when we factor in ice destruction now we kind of have this order matters kind of a system versus just the entire sum matters, which yeah. I think is going to create less of a snowball sort of. I think it's trying to avoid a snowball effect. So that's really cool. And it also synergizes with derezzing, which is in the HB color pie, which is pretty cool. So we've already seen Hakarl from the last set. It derezzes an ice. This card benefits hugely from Hakarl because it retains the power counters when it's derezzed. So if you had one other harmonic ice res, like another Echo, uh, you have Echo A, you res it, it gets one counter. Echo B, you res it, and then it gets one counter, and Echo A gets a second counter. Now if you derez, Echo A, Echo B would get a second counter and Echo A would get a single counter when it's re-resed. Or alternatively, you could de-res Echo B and then Echo A would retain its two and Echo B would get... Um, I'm sorry, Echo A would go up to three. I'm confused already. Jeez. It's okay. But there's also... This is pure speculation. Because this one is referencing putting power tokens on it, you could have other corp cards that let you add power tokens to cards with power tokens or you could move power tokens off a card onto another card so this could be a power token battery we don't know if there'll be anything any effects oh, like that electric uh, light for corpse for yes HB. but for power power tokens yeah okay. uh, another thing is we do know that there is a mechanic that we'll get to later that the shapers are getting that messes with power counters so maybe there will be a you know more side that there might be a corp version of it so more who knows? power counters okay so that's pretty yeah. cool. Great. And then do you want to read the next ice? The number 37? No, I'm just now realizing with the harmonic ice, your D-reses are more powerful the more cards you have on the board. So if I had five res yeah. harmonic ice, it would be better to wait to res Hakarl until we get to, you know, more of them. Because then when I re-res it, I benefit even more. Although you need... Oh, yeah. You need something to res it, which is kind of interesting. The if the runner can avoid it, then um, then it makes it a little bit more complicated. Okay, second card, card number thirty-seven. We skipped thirty-six. It is called Wave. It's an ice code gate harmonic. It costs two. Uh, and it has three strength instead of zero. And it says, when you res this ice during a run against this server, you may search R&D for a piece of ice and reveal it. Shuffle R&D after searching it 
add that ice to HQ. And then it says subroutine gain one credit for each resed piece of harmonic ice. So this card is actually nothing like Echo, actually. Unlike the next. Yeah, it's totally different. Which all work very similar. It's completely different. So Wave gets you a card. Uh, it gets you another piece of ice. So it synergizes with the harmonic ice. But it fulfill it fulfills a different function than Echo, which just wants to be there and get stronger. This is an enabling tool, which is really cool. And then its subroutine isn't. It is just static. It's just based on the number of of rest harmonic ice. And it's interesting because it'll always cost you. Let's say they face check this. They don't have a code gate. This would then effectively cost you one because you pay two, you get one back. If this is your only harmonic ice and you've just tutored an ice to your hand of any kind. So, hey, do you want to find that archer? Do you want to find the Hakarl that's going to let you uh, hopefully and reuse your harmonic ice? You're going to find it thanks to Wave. That is that is like insanely good. That's like better than pop up. It's like pop up that's a, that, that is a tutor. Is this a Wayland? Is this a Wayland card? No, no, it's it's HP and... <laughs> <laughs> but this is only one influence as well. So it's going to be very splashable. So what you're telling me, it is aggressive negotiation mixed with a pop-up window in Haas Bioroid. Oh, it's, yeah. It's Malapert Data Vault. It's, it's card tutoring plus uh, plus money-making ice. Those are those are not HB effects, but I'm, I'm cool with it. I like it. I, I think that's really neat. I'm really looking forward to getting some harmonic ice. I'm looking forward to de-resing this and re-resing it and drawing more ice with it so it's kind of fighting you the tools you want to keep them out i like that they do different things on resing so they both do synergize with d-res but they do different things to solve different problems so if you're playing against i mean i mean i don't know like if your situation is like you're not drawing your ice then maybe you would d-res your your code gate wave to try to get more cards get more ice specifically maybe you have lots of ice and you're just trying to you know make it more taxing for the runner than you would derez your uh your echo yeah i really like it and i should add that the artwork is done by jacuza and it is fantastic if you're a fan of orbs you're getting more orbs lots of orbs um <laughs> okay i like it and the flavor text says with networks growth is exponential i love it uh i guess i'll move on we're gonna do this in a little bit of reverse order because of the flavor text which is kind of fun so Card 33, going backwards a little bit, is called Refuge Campaign. It's an asset with a subtype of advertisement, and it's really simple. When your turn begins, you gain two credits. What? So weren't we just saying that like corp card, corp economy might need a buff? <laughs> yeah, it is better than good old pad campaign. I'll give you the stats though. It's four cost to res, so you still oh don't make money. Yeah, <laughs> that first time you res it. Oh um, my gosh. It's three influence and four trash costs. So, you know, it's giving you a little bit of money. They're going to want to trash it, but I'll get, let's read the flavor text real quick. The promise of a new home, safe work, and friendly neighbors will draw in tens of thousands of eco refugees, no matter what corner of the world they are from. Fool employee handbook. And Thule is like the faction, is like the HB corporation in, uh, in like Siberia, right? Or whatever, uh, wherever this place is located. Yeah. Wherever they're advertising you to go, HB is going to exploit you. <laughs> Poor eco refugees. Jeez. So that's kind of an interesting card. So it's, it's like, like, I, I mean, this is, this is basically like 
Eve campaign, right? Like four to res, four to trash, two credits per turn. You're not getting your money back anytime soon, but you you might be more inclined to trash your own money card just to clear up your server because it's ticking so slow. At the same time, you could throw this out naked and if they spent their money to trash it, you know, they've lost more or as much as you have. This is one of those situations where you install it on, on turn, you know, one, and then they they don't trash it because you haven't paid to res it. To turn two, you res it and install an ice in front of it. The other thing is there might be cards later that synergize with this in weird ways. So we'll we'll get to that. Do you think that this is good? Of all the cards we've seen and will see, I think this is the least exciting to me, but there could be ways that you could cheat it out in HB. There could also be way- reasons to splash it in other factions. It- its influence is a little bit high, but there, you know, if you have D- an ability, like an ID ability, maybe we'll get into the speculation of the ID in a little bit. I kind of worry that, I mean, on the one hand, two credits per turn is really good. I worry that the four res cost is just way too painful. But like, but like, okay, let me think about this. Sundu was insane. It was a powerful card. That was two credits per turn. I mean, and and then they decided, you know, we need to make a three credits per turn card. That's a good idea. And then that was, we've lived through that whole thing. So three credits is too much. One credit probably isn't enough. So I like that they're going more into two two cost cards. I kind of worry that this res cost is is going to be a thing. But maybe I'm just like way off base here. Like I don't think so. I think you're, you're pretty... I also think in startup, you might consider this, unless there unless there's some reasons to play it. In standard, you have probably way better options. Hmm. I do think that this is more of a startup only card right now until we see some other stuff that works with it. Oh boy. Maybe maybe we're gonna be so wrong. <laughs> it could be. And that's why I want us to speculate on what we think the HBID will be. It's gonna be a defining card. I mean, like if you if you res it and then get the two money from it, then the runner paid two more credits than you did. So I mean, it is fundamentally good. If you can protect it for an extra turn, maybe they paid eight credits to to deal with it. That's that's pretty that's pretty expensive. Um there's also cards in the format, no matter what answer will be around. And there's drafter to bring it back as well, because that's from ashes. So there are some ways to bring things out of your trash pile and and maybe bring this back i definitely think that there might be ways to recur it we'll see we shouldn't count on recurring it but actually if recurring it for free becomes good enough then that's actually the only thing we should pay attention to (laughs) kind of funny how that happens all right so we've got one more card here so it's a two four agenda midnight three arcology expansion agenda which i generally think those are like gives you like econ of some kind right i think so And it says, when you score this agenda, draw three cards, skip your discard step this turn. So that's pretty spicy. It's got some really good flavor text too that references the other card. It says, the midnight three glows with an inviting warmth that belies the broken promise within. All that awaits you there is a life of indentured servitude. Sundog is the author of that. That's pretty uh, dystopian. (laughs) <laughs> so the, the runner take on it is is a bit is considerably darker <laughs> yeah and uh we should add the art of refuge campaign kind of has a billboard that's like hey you know leave your terrible life come here you'll feel way better and midnight three arcology is this very dark foreboding futuristic like mega structure you're like i don't know if i want to live there that's pretty dead <laughs> 
<laughs> Pretty depressing place. <laughs> That's awesome. So mechanically, this is really interesting. This is a tempo card, right? Uh, score this, draw three cards. That's awesome. And it removes the downside of keeping uh, of having to dump your hand, which is pretty cool. Is thematically an HB effect, right? So what do you think of this? The fun thing about this card is sometimes when you have an agenda already on the board and you've maybe advanced it once or twice and you advance it again and score, you've gotten a mandatory draw and you're not able to play it. This is draw three, but your mandatory draw happened as well. So you could potentially be able to keep four extra cards. So you could have a hand size of, I mean, have a handful of nine cards, which is pretty potent. By default, it's not punishing you for scoring out and then having a full hand. Although you are getting punished later because at the beginning of the next turn, you'll have nine cards. Sorry. Ten, ten cards. cards the draw. And then you'll play three of them. And then, you know, I mean, in your case, you'll have two subliminals coming back into your hand. So you'll have 12 cards. Woo! And then, you know, you won't be able to play them all. Uh, but, you know, it's later. You'll have more information. And I guess you can tech into stuff like Hanse Review or Celebrity Gift. I mean, Hanse Review is only one influence, so that's a really splashable card. And if you are overdrawing and want to turn your cards into just gas, if you can't play them or they're not as good, if the situation doesn't demand it, why not? The other person who really likes this card is PD. They're getting a card back from their discard pile thanks to their their ID ability if they score this. So you you have another card you could kind of keep in your hand. Your seamless just came back. You're going to use it again. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, boy. PD. There's also cards that we're keeping, like uh, in Startup, where you have red level clearance. So if I get red level clearance in my hand, next turn I can just play it to do double actions, like install a nod agenda card and get money or get a click. So there are ways we could use some of our extra cards better. True. True, yeah. So you play the you play the red level clearance for like zero clicks and it gets you like two credits or whatever. What do you think? It seems like the harmonics have a lot of products, promise, right? We're assuming, and I think it was implied that there will be more coming out of Parheliod with the ID. Hmm, true. What do you think? Do you want to speculate on what you think the HB ID might be? Man, it's so far away too. I don't know. Like HB is always so thematically... They've always been pretty, like, just like big money, right? And then we don't want to make, I mean, and it makes sense, right? They're precision engineering, you know? I think PD was a pretty pretty cool example of that, where it was like an engineering theme. Like, we're very, like, mechanical, precise, and efficient. Much better than, like, the original ID, which was just gain a credit, which was super good. But then they always, like, then the IDs, like, like, I feel like we don't really know what HB's identity is. It's just like, they're like, they're cool, they're machine-like, they're very thoughtful. So, you know, we make Mirror Morph and you're like, I, I mean, this is like a, this is like a 10-head ID right here. Like, you got to be playing 40 <laughs> chess in order to, like, figure this out. And so, it, 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 I feel like, I feel like, I did, like, HB's identity is still kind of like up in the air like we don't really know exactly what it is and i mean their identity as a faction not not the card so like what does that mean from a card i feel like it could be so many things and they very clearly could pick something that synergizes with derezzing here would be interesting right i don't really know what that would be trigger derez based on some other effect uh at the start of your turn derez a card and res another card uh, reducing the cost by the cost of the card you derezzed. Like, 
Ooh, that'd be pretty powerful. That would be way too powerful with these eyes, wouldn't it? <laughs> or this, you know, you're like, ah, oh, this Harkarl, I want to use it again. Okay, Refuge Campaign, you're res for free. Yeah, Thank you. that would be... Do you know what that reminds me of? Is it reminds me of Blue Sun, you know? Yeah, there you go. Blue Sun, the HB actually. HB Blue Sun. Uh, uh, <laughs> BS edition. <laughs> BS. It is kind of funny because Blue Sun was not playable at all until we had some cheat tricks with it, you know, with Oversight AI and Curtain Wall. And then that kind of got them on the board and that made them competitive. But also at the time, we were competing with some very powerful decks at the time. So so maybe an effect like that, I have no idea. That could that feels on the one hand like that could be wildly overpowered. And then on the other hand, it feels like it's like maybe it's fine. I don't know. I think with these ice, it would be wildly overpowered. Do you feel like there could be a, a harmonic sort of support thing where you that would be a lot more balanced as an asset or something like that maybe interesting what was the i the hbid where you got to play extra ice next design the worst the worst andromeda of corpse oh it was literally next design okay you don't get to draw nine and install three ice you get to draw install three ice from your five card hand then refill it was it was really it was real sad I, I, I had at least one game in my life where I literally got zero ice. And then my opponent was just like, uh, are you going to install your ice? Ooh. And I was like, uh, your ID's Blake. All right. Corp drop. <laughs> like, not only is your ID Blake, <laughs> you've also telegraphed how horrible your Oh no. Is. And you're like, look, I put 22 ice in this deck. I don't know what to tell you. What if it was an ID that sets up a like, choose an ice subtype you get to draw search your deck for a copy of that ice would that be just too bonkers too powerful or would it be just like everyone's like i start the game with my tear in my hand every what, game what you you get to you get to oh oh you start the oh i see it's not like every turn it's just at the start of the game yeah start of the game you name ice uh, ice subtype you maybe even you have to reveal it the card you choose but you get to start with that one in your opening hand. Would that be just too much or too weak? That could be kind of good. I mean, all right, all right, all right. Here's the proposal. At the start of the game, search your deck for two ice, reveal them, add them to your hand, then install two ice. Ooh, oh, that's... Before the first turn. All right. Is that more overpowered or less overpowered than the first idea I suggested? That feels really good. I don't think it's as good as that first one, though, right? I mean that no that the D-Res ability would be really strong. It'd be too too good. Uh this one, it's only once a game, but that's like off the charts good. This is this is like good, but not off the charts good. You could also then run a really risky ice suite with this deck, or it'll be like, I've only got twelve ice, but I always know I will start with two. Yeah. I think that's pretty spicy. I like it. That would be interesting. Or like I have five ice in my deck, I get three you know. Wow. You could do some really cool stuff with something like that. All right, that's a good suggestion. Then the the first ID we proposed, that's actually just an asset, I bet. Oh, that'd be so interesting. Oh, boy. All right. What other spicy things can we invent right now that are actually true and we're going to get we're going to get fired for spoiling. <laughs> How did they know? Retromancer, you're fired. <laughs> no. We were so young, so innocent. Never had a chance. <laughs> oh no. I, I actually think it'd be interesting, maybe when you reveal a card, 
like it works with wave if you draw like so you can have digital rights management and you like reveal that card gives you something not like Kyobu, like but like like a credit no all right maybe everything's Kyobu. it's all coming up at Kyobu. <laughs> Steven, you've done it. You've invented the new overpowered HB ice. It says, once per turn when you reveal a card, gain a credit. Oh. Dude, it works with Subliminal. You wow. always play Subliminal. Okay, all right. I'm done. I can't. I can't. You're right. I'm blinded by my love. Actually, I should have just I'm said. Blinded. Oh, no. I get to play Hyobu for six more months. I'm excited. All right. End of discussion. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, well I that think. was pretty good. Yeah, I think those were two really good ideas. And, uh. One of them was more broken than the other, but I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, some spoilers in six months and seeing how close we were to being right. What if they give our spoiler to someone else? Wouldn't that just, wouldn't that be dirty? Rub salt the wound. <laughs> oh, that would be kind of fun. Yeah. I like a little bit of spice in my life. Or they're like, the the ID's too similar to what they guessed. We have to back to the drawing board. You know, if if they, if we actually guessed it right and then they gave us that card, then no one would believe us. That's right. So in order to enhance our credibility, they have to give it to someone else. That's exactly right. <laughs> but that person might feel a little bit like put out. They're like, dude, you gave me a card that was already spoiled. Guessed, guessed six lot. months ago. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Well, this spoiler season's given us a lot to think about and not just new cards, Steven. I know. So I'm pretty excited. Everything's gonna everything's gonna be big. <laughs> I'm pretty excited, all things considered. I've weighed all the options in my head, and I'm sitting at about Eight out of ten excited right now. Well, you know me. I'm always excited about new cards. So this has been such, oh, so amazing to get a sneak peek of everything. Finally get it out into the world today. And it's been a blast just listening to everyone else and reading what everyone's coming out with. With the spoiler articles and the other podcasts, other YouTubers. Thanks for everything. I'm really looking forward to seeing all the other stuff that's going to come out before the end of spoiler season two. So we'll have to record an episode immediately afterwards. We're going to do our best. On everybody's spoilers. Yes. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Bye. See ya.